Well, hello, Shepherd family. Welcome back to our sermon series entitled Cast of Character. If you've been with us during the month of February, February, you know that we've been focusing on the Old Testament priesthood, and particularly the character of Zadok. As we began this series, we heard about a special man of God uh, delivering this prophetic message from the Lord, recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 2. God said, I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and mind. I will firmly establish his priestly house, and they will minister before my anointed one always. Well, we examined from Scripture how those words were fulfilled in the person of Zadok the priest and his descendants after him. We saw how Zadok demonstrated his faithfulness to David and to Solomon as well, and thus also his faithfulness to the Lord. We then observe that Zadok's descendants likewise proved to be a faithful priestly family for generations to come. From Zadok's grandson, Azariah, all the way throughout the rest of Old Testament history, and even into the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Zadokites retained a good reputation of faithful service to the Lord. They followed in the good spiritual footsteps of their ancestor. One thing that we took away from the story of Zadok and his descendants is the importance of passing on the legacy of faith to the next generations after us, to pass the torch, the fire of faith and faithfulness, to those who come after us, those younger than us. You know, I referred to this only briefly last week, but uh, speaking very practically, one of the most concrete ways that we can leave a legacy of faith here at Shepherd of the Desert is through our Generation to Generation campaign. By investing in Generation to Generation, we are investing in so much more than brick and mortar. We're really investing in the salvation of souls, of countless people into the future. That's what makes it so exciting. It is a, a profound way to store up treasures in heaven, as Jesus himself instructs us. And that really is a legacy worth leaving. Well, after spending three weeks examining the life of Zadok the priest and the Old Testament priesthood, we're going to wrap up the message uh, and this series today. And you may very well be asking the big question, so what's the point of all of this? Uh, well, great question. I'm glad you asked. Very simply, we remind, we're reminded that the Old Testament points us to Jesus. And when we specifically ask how the Old Testament priesthood points to Jesus, the author of the New Testament book of Hebrews gives us some tremendous insights. The book of Hebrews was written to Jewish readers, Jewish people who had come to faith in Yeshua or Jesus as their Messiah. They were believers in him as their savior. But it was at a time when many of these people were being tempted to return to Judaism, to 
turn away from Jesus as Messiah and return to the old ways of the old covenant. Now, the author of this book is not identified anywhere in the book itself. We don't really know who wrote the letter to the Hebrews. Uh, some scholars think it might have been Barnabas, who was uh, uh, a friend of uh, Paul and uh, participated in Paul's first missionary journey. Uh, he's mentioned in the book of Acts, of course. Others uh, think that perhaps Apollos was the one that wrote Hebrews. That was uh, the conclusion that Martin Luther came to, but we don't really know who wrote this letter. But we do know that the writer was definitely Jewish. This is somebody who's very familiar with the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures. The, the overall theme of the book of Hebrews is the supremacy of Jesus and the superiority of the new covenant over against the old covenant. It emphasizes that Jesus is the fulfillment of the old covenant. And more than any other book in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews explains how Jesus is our great high priest. So now consider with me the following passages from the book of Hebrews that speak of Jesus, our high priest. From Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Kind of interesting that he uses the term apostle for Jesus. The word apostle simply comes from the Greek, Greek word meaning one who is sent. And Jesus, of course, was the one whom God the Father sent into this world to be the world's Savior. But notice the writer also calls him our high priest. In what sense is Jesus a high priest? Well, remember what a high priest did. A high priest was a mediator between people and God, a go-between. The high priest offered sacrifices on behalf of the people. And on the Day of Atonement, once a year, the high priest took blood from some of those sacrificed animals into the Holy of Holies of the tabernacle or into the temple later when the temple was built and offered that on behalf of the people on account of their sins over the past year. So in what sense is Jesus our high priest? Well, listen to what the writer to the Hebrews says in chapter 8. Now, the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by a mere human being. From that passage, we understand that the true tabernacle is heaven. It is the ultimate holy of holies, the holiest of holies, of course. And so having offered himself as the perfect sacrifice, Jesus now intercedes for us who trust in him. He has crossed into the holiest of holies to carry out that function for us. We hear these words from Hebrews chapter 4. 
Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Those are great words, and and let's face it. Though we believe in Jesus and are certain of our salvation, we still sin every day, don't we? Martin Luther described the Christian as someone who is simultaneously saved and still sinful. We are simultaneously saints, those have been declared right in God's eyes, and sinners, those who still sin every day. And when our weaknesses and our guilty consciences trouble us, what do we do? Well, what does the writer to the Hebrews invite us to do? We just read it. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You might wonder, though, how do I know that this isn't a temporary thing? I mean, how do I know that God's grace won't run out or that my sins aren't too many to be forgiven? After all, my reputation and record are not very good. Well, the writer to the Hebrews reminds us that Jesus is not a temporary priest, but he's a permanent one. He's an eternal priest who continuously intercedes for us who believe in him. He continuously pleads our case to the Father on account of the sacrifice that he made for us, namely himself on the cross. And now consider these words from Hebrews chapter 7. The writer says this, God said to him, that is to Jesus, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, He does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Friends, let's not miss what it is Jesus accomplished at the cross. His sacrifice for sins was once and for all. All sin is paid for in full. He makes that clear from when from the cross he says, it is finished. It is paid in full.
And consider this. All of those Old Testament sacrifices of animals and animal blood merely covered over people's sin. But the book of Hebrews teaches us that Jesus' sacrifice does away with sin. It completely wipes it out. It forgives it completely and forever. We read in Hebrews chapter 9, Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. You know, in St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he speaks of the message of the cross. He explains that at the cross, God has united you with Christ Jesus, he says. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Those are great words. And all of this gives us real hope, doesn't it? And my, how we need hope. You know, I dare say we've all had those moments of what you might call spiritual uncertainty. Even if we've been believers in Christ for many years, we've had those moments. The darkness of our sinful human nature gets the better of us. Maybe we stray down a rather dark path. And the reality of our sin makes us shudder at times. We cringe. And we may even wonder if that, even that sin, can be forgiven. Well, Jesus, our high priest, gives us great hope. Listen to these words from Hebrews chapter 6. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. You know, those great words remind us that when we feel hopeless due to sin and shame, Jesus is our hope. And that hope is an anchor for the soul. You know, when we talk about Christian hope, that's far different from the way the world thinks about hope. You know, the world thinks of it in terms of, well, I hope this happens, I hope that happens. There, there, there's not really any kind of certainty about it. But Christian hope is a certainty, something that is definite. And when we come to God in genuine repentance and faith in Jesus, we can be certain of his gracious welcome. Well, in the final chapter of Hebrews, the 13th chapter, the writer gives us some instruction about living out our Christian faith, putting it into action, 
as a thank-filled response to all that Jesus, our high priest, has done for us. So hear these, these last words from this last chapter of some instructions. Now that we know that Jesus, our high priest, has given himself for us and intercedes for us continuously, here are some words about our response. The writer says, the high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Here comes the instructions. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Friends, in those words, the author to the Hebrews encourages us to live out our Christian faith in four distinct ways as a response to what Jesus, our high priest, has done for us. First, he encourages us to be willing to suffer for the name of Jesus, to recognize that, yeah, we're going to be ridiculed, perhaps even persecuted for our faith in Jesus. Be willing to do that as a follower of him. Secondly, he says, basically, remember that this earth is not our permanent home, that we await our real home to come in heaven. Thirdly, he says, offer sacrifices of praise to the Lord. And that's an encouragement to worship the Lord regularly. That as a, res a response to what Jesus has done for you, bring your sacrifices of joy and thanksgiving to God who certainly deserves our praise. And then finally, he says, do good and share with others. As God has blessed you, respond joyfully with a willingness to do good to others and to share God's blessings with those in need. We have spent the month of February taking a look at the priesthood in the Old Testament and particularly the person of Zadok. He indeed was a faithful priest of the Old Covenant. But most importantly, Zadok points us to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant in his blood. Jesus, your eternal high priest, is continuously in the holiest of holies interceding for you. Just think about what that means. He is indeed your hope, and that hope is the anchor for your soul. Friends, may the certainty of God's love for you in Christ Jesus fill you with joy and peace. We hope you'll join us next week as our senior pastor, Scott Seidler, will uh, introduce a new character in this cast of characters, David the King. <music>